The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to Jesus said to his disciples, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he spoke to them, was taken up into heaven and took his seat at the right hand of God. But they went forth and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirm the word through accompanying signs. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter, still. We're winding down now, so I know you've been saying this every single day to all your co-workers, but finally coming down to the end, because today we celebrate the beautiful solemnity of the ascension of the Lord into heaven, and then, because remember, what's, what's going on now? So our Lord raised from the dead, 40 days is on earth, appearing to them, and then he ascends, and then he tells them, wait until I send you the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, it's coming soon, so that's where we're, we're heading, and we're finally heading towards, and that will finally bring the end to happy Easter. So you won't, hear, you won't be hearing that anymore, but the drama continues to unfold and we see this. I know I say this every Sunday, but this is a life-changing readings. Life-changing. So let's pray. I'm so excited. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So last Friday, I had an unexpected visitor in my office. Oftentimes, you know, people know where the office hours are, my office is, and, and people just randomly drop by to, to talk about heavy, heavy things oftentimes. So somebody walks in as I was about to close up for the day, but made time. Sits down directly across from me with an intense look on his face so I can tell something was, was on his mind and heart. And he says, Father, who was the first person? And we began this long, deep, philosophical and theological query. Who was the first person? Yes. I said, oh, Adam. Adam's the first person. Who created Adam? It's like, oh, God created Adam. How did they have children? So, oh, he created Eve. By the way, Genesis chapter 2. Brothers, take a page from Adam. We have the first pickup line in the entire history of creation. When we created, do you know the chapter in chapter two of Genesis? God forms Adam. This is a sidebar. He forms Adam from the rib, remember? And the moment he lays eyes on Eve, do you know what he said? 
Oh, absolutely spectacular. Adam, bravo. Good job. He says, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He immediately just, just behold the beauty of Eve and just wanted to, to behold her. What does that mean for us men? Remember who you're looking at every time you look at your beloved. That same joy of Adam at last. So I shared this with this, with this person. I could tell by the look on his face, he was silent, he was pondering more deeply. And then he looked up at me again and he said, Father, if God created Adam, Adam created Eve, or God created Eve, they had children, they created little, little ones, well, then who created God? I said, man, you're so inquisitive for an eight-year-old, aren't you? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, children are absolutely spectacular and beautiful, aren't they? Because they're still not weighed down by the anxieties of life, and so they're innocent, and so they, they wonder, especially when they hit that why, 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 why phase. What do they always do if something happens and they we ask, why? Give them an answer. What do they say? Why? And they keep asking that question. In philosophy, there's actually a phrase for that. What we call it in philosophy, we call that the principle of sufficient reason. It's just a fancy way of saying that everything that happens, there's a sufficient rationale for it. There's a reason why it exists or which causes it. We all live our lives this way. Everything that happens, we know that there's a cause to it. For example, many of you know where I live. I live right across the, right next to the church there in Portola. And to my horror, what's in front of the church in Portola? Train tracks. All day long, just trains, trains, trains. My house shakes every time a train passes through. And sometimes it happens in the middle of the night as well. I'll be sleeping soundly in my bed, comfortable, smiling, relaxing. And all of a sudden the house starts to shake and I'll wake up and for a split second. It always happens, even I've, I've lived with you for five years now. I'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh no, I'm under attack, right? Earthquake, it's the big one, right? It's the big one that we've all been waiting for. And then I realize, oh no, it's a dumb train. And I look out my window, and sure enough, I'll see the silhouette of a train passing through Portola. I don't know what time it is, maybe 2 or 3 in the morning. Apply the principle of sufficient reason. Why is that train car that I'm looking at moving? Ah, because there's another train car in front of it. Okay. How are those two train cars moving now? Ah, because there's another train car in front of it. And then another car, then another car, and another car. That train car in and of itself does not explain why it's moving. It need, we need to appeal to an outside cause, right? It's not moving by itself. What's moving that entire train car? Ah, there's a diesel engine in the very front pulling it. What explains why that diesel engine is able to move. Is it moving by itself? No, it has diesel, gasoline in it. Why? Where does diesel come from? Does it, does it magically appear? No, why? Because 
millions and millions of years ago, organic matter died and was deposited into the earth. And over this process, eventually became oil, which eventually would propel through the combustion engine to propel this engine to move that car. Where does organic matter come from? See, do you, do you see what's happening here? You keep having to expand the rationality of why something exists. Just like me standing in front of you now. I don't exist by myself. I didn't just appear here. But apply the principle of, 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 of rationality to this. I exist because I ate breakfast. If I don't, if I didn't eat breakfast, I die. I drank water. Well, now how, how do I exist? Do I just pop into being? No. My parents got married and they had a baby, me. Well, how do they, how do my parents exist? Well, because their parents existed, had babies. Well, where do human beings come from? Do you see how now you apply that rationality that nothing in and of itself that exists? could explain in and of itself the rationality for his existence. What if I were to say, if someone were to ask me, where does that train come from? I said, oh, it just exists. It just popped into being. That violates the principle that we first laid out. Because everything in the world has an explanation for it. Look at the wider universe now. The universe is simply billions and billions of interlocking causality. The universe is not eternal, science tells us. It had a beginning. What do we call that theory? The Big Bang Theory. Formulated by, this should be a household name for us, especially because he's part of the family. Geyer Lamantra, Father Lamantra a Belgian scientist, Catholic priest, who locked with with powerful discussions with Albert Einstein himself. He had to convince Albert Einstein of this theory, by the way. Because we know that the universe, at one point, came into existence. It began. What caused the beginning of the universe? Because from the universe, the galaxies, the galaxies cooled enough to sustain certain molecules, proteins, which evolved eventually to organic matter, and organic matter to more complex systems, and eventually to us. Do you see the series of causality? How does it come into being now? Because prior to the Big Bang, there was nothing. How do you get nothing to spring forth the complexity of the universe? Apply the principle we first laid out. It just came into being. That violates the first principle. Just like with the car, if I were to say to you that train outside my house in Portola, what caused the movement of that train? It just, it just started moving. Like, no, you have to keep appealing to something outside of it. But we can't keep doing this for infinity, can we? Because we're left with that problem. Just like I keep, can't say that that train car that moves is just an infinite long train car. No, eventually I have to appeal to something outside of it. 
This is what we call the argument from the first cause. Because eventually, we have to come to some reality which is not contingent upon something else. We have to come to a reality which has no cause, which is outside of space, outside of time. Because otherwise, we keep having the same problem. We're in, we're in the circle. Thomas Aquinas beautifully formulates this idea as his first argument for God's existence. Hark it back now to Exodus. We begin to get a clue here. When Moses, now on Mount Sinai, asks God his name, when Moses asks God, of all the myriad of gods that we have, which one are you? And that beautiful response, Echi asher echi. I am who am. In that beautiful line, what God sums up, he just said, in other words, I am the essence of existence itself. I am the very source of existence. You see, when I, when that eight-year-old asked me that question, who created God, and he was pondering so deeply upon my answer, I had to explain to him, God is not in the universe. He's not part of creation. Otherwise, we'd have to appeal to something outside of God to explain why he exists. So thereby, he has to be outside of the universe. And that's a hard concept. That idea that creation comes out of nothing, in Latin we call that ex nihilo, that idea that creation comes out of nothing comes to us first from the Jewish people. Prior to every human civilization and culture and religion before the Jewish people, they all believed that the universe was eternal. When the Jewish religion comes into, into play, first time it entered into our minds that creation comes out of nothing. And that changed the world. Ex nihilo, God creates. Why am I sharing this with you? Because look now at the gospel reading. Jesus ascends into heaven. He gathers the 12 disciples around him and he says to them, before I go up, I'm leaving you with marching orders. I want you now to go out into the whole world. Go into the whole world and tell every single creature the gospel message. What is this gospel message? That you and I are not created for here. We were created for heaven. We were created for outside of the universe. Wherever Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of the Father, he's with God, outside of space, outside of time. He's with the very Trinity itself. God and Jesus, the Father, where he sits at his right hand, he's not, on, he's not just outside there, somewhere near Pluto or Mars. No. He's with the very creator. See, you and I now are created for this life. Listen to the beautiful reading that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. With all that in the background, listen again anew. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation resulting in knowledge of him.
May the eyes of your hearts be enlightened that you may know what is the hope that belongs to his call. May your hearts be enlightened. May your eyes be turned heavenward. You and I as Christians now in this 21st century, our great task. Now, none of us created this world that we're in. None of us created the church here and now. It's simply the, the situation we've inherited that God has called us to. You and I are now called to tell everybody why they were created. You know, this week I received two calls from random people. I'm not practicing Catholics. They said, Father, can I come in and talk to you? They're adults this time, not eight-year-olds. You know what they said? My life is empty. Something is missing. I can hear the confusion in their voice because, like, why? I have a family, I have, I have a house, I have a job, I have a three square meals a day, I have everything I need. Father, why, why am I so hungry? Why am I restless? And we know the answer, don't we, as Christians? Because we're now made for here. We're made to be outside of the universe. In the heavens. Tell everyone that. Bring up religion. You know, what, what are the rules of family gatherings? We, we, we're not supposed to talk about two topics, right? We don't talk about Biden or Trump, right? We don't talk about them, otherwise we get into a fight. Right? We also don't talk about religion. Why? Why? Bring it up. But charitably, don't go around with your Bible thumping people in the head. It doesn't work. We'll bring it up, especially use this angle. Why were you created? Because my brothers and sisters, this ascension, Christ reminds us and commands us, go out into the whole world and tell everybody where they're headed for. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.